Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. With Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby League World Cup Retrospective. Um, I'm joined by Will Owen and the Dean Dorries. That's a topical joke. For you people at home, uh, this is a podcast that we very much like to make fairly timeless and not set to the time it comes out. And yet there is a joke about events from yesterday. Hi, Will. How are you doing? I'm all right on this day, the 1st of July 2022, which is when that joke was relevant. How are you? I'm good. I'm also good on this day, July 1st, 2022, which is the day after Nadine Dorries, Minister for digital culture, media and sport here in the United Kingdom uh, said her favourite rugby league moment of all time was Johnny Wilkinson kicking the drop goal in 2003, which was an incredible moment, followed up by her talking about how sometimes play goes on and it results in a scrum, (laughs) and then said scrums are a lot like politics. And, I mean, I made the joke on Twitter that, yeah, it is for the Tory party because it's uncontested. But she clearly knows nothing about what rugby league is. No, neither and do I, in is. fairness. No. But, well, in um, fact, I know one thing, and that's that the World Cup wasn't won by Johnny Wilkinson starting the drop goal in rugby league. Unless yes. it was like he did like a Richard Hibbard and played a game of amateur rugby league in the summer and started a drop goal there, and that was the greatest moment in rugby league history. And she happened to be in the crowd. Maybe that's what happened. It's funny, because today we will talk about someone who slots the drop goal in a rugby league World Cup. Hence why I thought it was relevant to bring up. That's um, a good link. Yeah, and for anyone who is outside the UK, uh, Nadine Dorries is just an idiot. Just an idiot <laughs> that we have, in, we have in charge. Yeah. Um, so, we are here today to try and avoid talking about Ireland's 32-9 win over Tonga from 1987. This is a decision we have made of our lives and one we're continuing to have to live with. So... There was, this morning, we mm. couldn't find this game, as we record yeah. this. We couldn't find this game. And we we were worried about, oh yeah, what's going to happen? You know, how are we going to find all the other games in the podcast? Oh yeah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? that's why this how, episode's late. Like, it's we, late. We, you know. We're late. We've got all of these listeners who are wanting to listen to us, like, and we're late. If we were on time, we couldn't have made that topical joke. No, we couldn't. We couldn't have. That's how you know we're late. Because we made that joke. Yeah. But then it's like, oh shit, remember the time when we didn't have access to this game? Wish we were so much more grateful for that. <laughs> I'm going to think about those times often. Yeah. Take me back. Take me back to before I'd seen Ireland 32, Tonga 9. You can't unwatch this now. That's happened. I've, the thing is, I have forgotten it already. Yeah. We finished watching this game about 10 minutes before recording and watching it separately. And boy, I don't remember anything that's happened in it. I th- I think we this should... This is becoming a trend, I realise. Yeah, it is, it is. There's There's been a couple of 
honkers towards the end yeah. of uh, this this pool stage. I think we should somewhat go over our text conversation that we had um, whilst watching this game. Please, please. I think we should do. Should we do like a little screenplay about it? Do you want to be? Do you want to play Robbie Owen or Will Owen? No, can I play Will Owen? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll play Robbie Owen. So, are you ready? I've Where just, are we starting from? I, I'll start. I'll start. Okay. I hope you're enjoying this game because I'm not. I, Robbie Owen. In it. Is this what rugby is? Just people kicking the ball out on the full over and over again. How far are you in? Exactly an hour. You? Because, Jesus, I want this to be over and into recording soon. Oh, cool. I'm only six minutes ahead of you. I'm finding myself skipping ahead a lot. I've done quite a lot of research around this game whilst watching. Okay, cool. Hopefully that means we can dodge this game itself. <laughs> Which is just as well because I fuck all to say about this game. This is going to be a good episode. Shrug. <laughs> okay, the funniest bit of the game just happened. We good. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck was that? Was there something funny? Yes. Huh. I missed it. I'll timestamp it on the pod. <laughs> and then we you skip gotta... a little bit because we no, talk no, about No, 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 because then you've got to read out the Twitter link. <laughs> okay, okay. HTTPS. Yeah, yeah. So that's something different. We'll we'll skip a couple of um a couple of messages ahead. Okay, so uh, it's it, it's you. It's your line. Don't don't you wish we were more grateful for the time we didn't have access to this game? <laughs> Fuck it. I'm watching the rest of this game at two times speed. Hell yeah, pass the cocaine. And scene. No, 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 there's one more line. No, is there? Okay. I've just locked my phone though. Um, oh, this is so much better. There we go. Because I thought that was a good lead on to the fact that I did decide for about five minutes to go in this game, maybe eight or nine, I was just going to watch the rest of it at fast forward. And it suddenly starts to feel like rugby again. Yeah. So, I mean, about that. So... As anybody who followed me on social media will know, I spent the last week at Glastonbury. So I've yes. not watched any rugby in about two weeks. <laughs> so I do not remember like what rugby is. Like I've barely looked at rugby. Or like because in terms of work for Squidge, it's mainly just been yeah, audio yeah. editing I've been doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since I got back. So I've not done so much as look at rugby in a long time. And you know, coming coming back from living in a tent for a week, I barely remember how to live and breathe and eat and go to the toilet and all of those normal bodily human things but watching a game of rugby this really weird game with these stupid rules i have no idea like what what any of this is so that, that's why i asked like is this what rugby is Just people catching the ball and you're going yeah let's kick it out on the full why don't we is that is it always okay. this shit which which is better island v tonga from 1987 or kendrick lamar I think Kendrick was a tiny, tiny bit better. Tiny bit, okay. By okay, which I mean okay. he was absolutely okay. amazing. If we it. were to go through, who was the worst act you saw at Glastonbury this oh, last week? Oh, that's a really good question because you know what? I, there, there was uh, there wasn't really many bad people. I, I saw. mean, well, no, okay. So I watched some of Jarvis Cocker's set, yes. and it was unbearable. Yeah, yeah. It was horrible to watch. Yeah, he did an eight-minute song about lockdown that was the most like sub Thursday night beat poetry in Derbyshire like standard stuff why have people done lockdown songs and why do people still play them it's stupid like nobody asked no and it's like I I know from you know someone I know's agent was saying that apparently every show at Edinburgh this year is about lockdown 
like and it's so disproportionately so out of lockdown because everyone wrote them and then you know it wasn't on last year yeah or yeah. the year before so suddenly people are doing their lockdown stuff yeah. two years on when really no one wants to hear about it's, it it's one of those funny things talking of live music that a year ago when we'd just come back into it like hearing somebody in between a song going like oh yeah isn't this amazing after we've been locked inside for two years it was like yeah great you can get a cheap cheer out yeah. of that whatever there's some people still doing it and it's oh, like well, shut I was up at, I was at the YouTube sports conference yeah. over this last few days mm-hmm. and that's where I've been yeah. I don't know it's quite as exciting as the uh, Glastonbury festival yeah. but I went I went to Google's offices yeah and virtually every speaker did that. And admittedly, they hadn't done this conference since 2019, so I get why, you know. They haven't done Glastonbury since 2019? Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, just do the thing. So Just uh, get on, talk about um, integrating ad revenue or whatever it is here to talk about. I know we're already on a bit of a tirade here, but I want to tell you something that is completely unrelated to anything we're going to talk about today that I found Please. really hilarious. So uh, on the on the Saturday morning of Glastonbury, some, <laughs> I saw one of the funniest items of clothing I've seen in my life. And like, you think of Glastonbury like, oh, a, 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 you know, a large gathering where people <laughs> often wear stupid things, Lord knows, to, to be the single funniest item of clothing there is quite a feat, right? But yeah. somebody, and it wasn't like one of these crazy, like I saw a, a great shirt that said drum and bass on it. It was a picture of Paul and Ringo. Very good. But okay. it wasn't that. Somebody walked past me with a t-shirt that just said the word website on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Genuinely, like I'm not laughing at it much now because there were two nights following that where I woke up the person in the tent next to me because I was laughing that loudly in the middle of the night about the fact there was a t-shirt which just said website on it and I couldn't get my head around like what would possess you to buy it? I've checked there's not like a band called website or anything like that no no, no, no such a band exists that's somebody very just, funny somebody just got a t-shirt for the concept of websites oh singular website I can't remember <laughs> if it was all lowercase or there was an uppercase w but it was like small text black t-shirt white text okay Along the chest, just the word website. Yeah, and again, same person I just mentioned. No, owns a t. I know someone that owns a t-shirt that just says the word vampires on it because I mean, it has like a little picture of a bat, and it's just a t-shirt about the concept of vampires. What? It's pretty good, but it's not <laughs> it's quite just, website. It's not quite a website. Website beats that. Genuinely, like every time that was throughout the weekend, I had multiple people who would just say the word website to me and see my reaction. <laughs> because I kept just telling them the story. Just, why would you get website on a t-shirt? And that's it. It's like very you funny, can, though. You can love the internet enough that you just get website. I'm not doing it justice, man. It was so funny. No, 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 you are, you are. That's very yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very, yeah. very As funny As I say, thing. like, it's... I, I, I cried with laughter on multiple occasions. And as I say, I woke up people in different tents from laughing too loudly at something I saw days beforehand. Somebody with a t-shirt that just said website on it. Absolutely incredible. So I'm convinced one of my friends Uh, is going to get me that t-shirt for my birthday. But I've looked (laughs) online though, I can't find it. If you search website t-shirt, you just get a picture of somebody like pointing at their t-shirt and it says like, insert text here, which is an equally good t-shirt. That's a pretty good t-shirt. You should get that on the t-shirt as well. And I walk around Glastonbury with it. It's less... Me- it's Yeah, not as good as a website. Not as good as a website, yeah. <laughs> so, 
the I mean we haven't really look it is the thing we haven't really seen each other in like a couple of weeks no we haven't how are you man by the way I'm alright you know you were at Glastonbury then I went to bloody YouTube walked around their office was like oh because it's where they keep the tube itself there's a tube yeah it's you it's me it's you it's the tube my tube your tube should it not be called your tube then not YouTube well it's shortened isn't it oh okay yeah that's fair the internet yeah, websites. websites. Yes. Yeah. So, record ease to get a laugh out of someone just saying the word website. Yeah, honestly, pe- people were lapping that up all weekend. So, right, rugby. So, Ireland played Tonga in 1997, right? <laughs> Sorry, carry on. And, so, okay, so actually one thing I did last week, right, was I was in London a few days before that again for a separate thing. And then because it was during the rail strikes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much you saw of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During the rail strikes. Oh, it, it ruined um, my uh, my path to Worthy Farm, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, so I couldn't get my train back from London. Of course. Like, uh, it was impossible. You know, there wasn't one that got me home in time. Yeah, yeah. So I had to, you know, book a hotel and stay overnight. Yeah, yeah. Last minute. And so I did a quick, like, scan. And I thought, so there's a, there's a kind of, like, infamous cult cinema in London called the Prince Charles Cinema. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, you're very aware of it. No, I'm not familiar. But one of the things they're best known for is a few times a year they screen The Room and they basically will have like 90 plus people will come along, like 100-ish people will come along and they shout at the screen, there's certain lines they quote along to. You're and telling you know me apart, thing? Lisa! Absolutely. And there's a kind of... Infam- For anyone that isn't aware, The Room is like maybe arguably the worst... Well, considered one of the worst films ever made. Yeah, yeah. And it was made by this kind of like eccentric... So the point at which people like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was made by a kind of like eccentric, like Eastern European mm. billionaire who no one knows where he got the money. No one knows where he's from. No one knows if Tommy Wiseau is his real name. And he claims he's from like Philadelphia or something, despite having sure. a really thick yeah, yeah. Like Eastern European accent. Yeah. It's a really bizarre film. And there's an infamous thing in it as well, where um, when they bought all of the photos to be in the background for the set dressing, they all had like the, the photo in there when they bought them was a picture of a spoon. <laughs> And Tommy Wiseau was really insistent they didn't replace them with other photos. So all the photos on their wall and like up on the dresser and everything around the apartment have just got pictures of spoons in them. It's incredible. And whenever at kind of the Prince Charles screenings of it, whenever anyone sees a spoon, people are supposed to bring along like plastic, like replaceable spoons. And whenever someone sees a spoon in the background, someone shouts spoon and everyone throws their spoons (laughs) at the screen. And I happened to be in London that evening when I noticed it was the day of one of their screens. Right, okay. So I went. Yes! And I'll tell you what, it's absolutely magical. I haven't had that much fun in a long time. Did you bring a spoon? I didn't, I didn't. I looked around the Tesco, the nearest Tesco, if they had any, like, replaceable cutlery. Yeah. They didn't. But they had a woman do an announcement beforehand of, like, please throw it near the screen, not at the screen, because we don't want it to break while it's on. That's so good. But it was it was amazing. It was an incredible. Like the the cheers of anticipation as we see the outside the flower shop before he does the oh, oh yes, that is a great scene. It's a great scene. It's a great scene, and people just shouting out and cheering everything. It's it's very very good. Well worth doing if you you know if you're about. I think there's another one in like August and stuff. It's well worth doing if you're about. Sounds great. But yeah. As I was watching this game, I started to think I wish I could have had that crowd here for this game. And I could have had a really ironic crowd watching this and jeering at everything and throwing spoons at Hugo McNeilan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
And every time the commentator calls them the Fijians instead of the Tongans, mm. you throw spoons at him. You know, when that happened once, you thought it was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but by the third but he keeps time. doing it. Yep. Whew. Yeah, a bit troublesome uh, that. Yeah, the commentator does a really, really thorough rundown of the Irish team and who all of them are and like where they all went to school before the game yeah, starts. Yeah. And he doesn't even know who the opposition are. No. Like, no, he doesn't know who the players are. He doesn't know what the team they're playing is. Yeah. He refers to... So, to very briefly get into it, because we don't really want to talk about this game. No, um, but... You know. Beforehand, they, they mentioned that there's no anthems on mutual agreement. Mm. They're not going to sing mm. national anthems. But it's uh, he refers to... Uh, what Tonga do is the hacker before yeah. the game when it is the disco sippy towel and it re- has no other titles so yeah so I mean firstly interesting note that this might be the only Red Bull Cup match to have no anthems beforehand oh interesting I believe I believe we'll so, verify that later on in the podcast as we go on throughout yeah. this if there's another game where this isn't the case but that might be an interesting nugget on yeah, this game I like it there's something notable Let's about it by, yeah, mutual consent Ireland then don't watch the sip it out. So, yes. What are... They gather in a circle and just like have a little chat and they're not paying any attention. The sip it out was like, this sip it out, I loved. I think it's the it's best, my favorite best war, dance war dance ever. of the lot. Of, it might be of, my favourite dance ever, actually. Yeah. So what it looks like is 15 people who can't dance and don't dance, but their favourite song just came on. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. That is it. Like... Uh, I think Confidence Man missed out by not having these guys in the background of their glass <laughs> set. But anyway, yeah. so the com- the commentator refers to it as the the, the, the Tongans are, are doing this, uh, their haka now, to entertain Ireland, who aren't showing a great deal of interest, which is extremely Graham Norton on Eurovision. <laughs> it is a bit. And I love them describing it as well. They're, being, they're doing it to entertain no, them. Exactly. It's, it's, they're not. it's not like, it's literally a war dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then again, you can't help but look at this Tongan side and be entertained, can you? Like, yeah, and it, dancing around. It, it is, they're all having a really great time. Yeah. And just kind of like, there's no timing whatsoever. They all know they've got to jump on the same word at the end. Yeah. And otherwise, they're just doing Freestyle, their own thing, just kind of waving their arms around. Yeah, yeah. I think the commentator says they're letting it all hang loose. <laughs> it's, it's a good way of phrasing it, you know? I mean, they are extremely loose in the best way possible. <laughs> well, yes, a big, big fan of it. Big, yeah, yeah, I love the disco sip. Bring back. I will miss it lots. Look, there's a there's a time and a place for the Civital and how great that was in the 2011 World Cup, which we talked about before. Yeah, you know, for the hacker being very organised and occasionally frightening, and you know, there being some very good hackers in, in the past. Yeah, but I've also got a lot of time. But as you say, it looks like they're at a confidence man gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's incredible. Should we look at the lineups for the two teams then? Let's. Where do you want to start? Should we start with Ireland? Ireland? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, there's some decent players. There's some shit players. Sure. It's, uh, it, it's... And there's some shit guys as well. Yeah. Okay, let's start with that. Because as soon as I saw Neil Francis's name on the team sheet, I thought, oh boy, we're in for a Here ride. we go. Yep. So, this is Neil Francis's international debut for Ireland. And... For anyone who's unaware of Neil Francis, I envy you. Yep. I wish I followed I followed suit. I wish I also did not know who Neil Francis was. Since retiring, he's become quite a notable pundit. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. not notable, I suppose. Just like notorious. More uh, racist word. is probably the word I would use to describe <laughs> yeah. him. And I'd less use the word pundit and probably slightly more the word cunt. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's become yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Sorry, he's become either depending on your take, either a, a notable pundit or a, a racist cunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he was obviously fired uh, last year now mm-hmm. for saying he didn't like Marcus Smith because of his David Beckham haircut and Oompa Loompa tan. When you know, Jesus referring Christ. to Marcus Smith being half Filipino, yeah, his natural skin color. Yeah, in the past, he labelled David Pocock a cancer on our game. He said that Michael Checker lent the team. He described them as lady boys uh, who need a beating. He said Warren Gatland had the intelligence of a tub of lard. He said that at most less than one percent of uh, people in rugby will be gay because sport in general doesn't appeal to gay people because it's too manly. Comments which Nigel Lowen said came from the dark ages. Yeah, he. I mean, there's you know he said that uh, the 2019 South Africa pack. Or the South Africa win, you know, the World Cup yes. in 2019 yeah, yeah. Uh, was tainted by the steroid abuse by their entire pack. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, he's just a constant like, hate. Like, he just spouts constant shit yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, you don't even get the impression he's, like, doing it as, like, a deliberate, you know, for clicks thing. You just get the impression he's just yeah. an utter prick. Like, also, to be the only person in the world to have something you dislike about David Pocock, have a day off. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's. I mean, it must have been really hard for the guy running against David Pocock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He like, unless he's on... Michael Hooper, he's not got a chance. So, Davey Tweed, who we'll get onto when we do the 99 World Cup, right? Uh, who has come up on the channel in the past, uh, yeah. who was a paedophile who won two caps for Ireland, or maybe four caps for Ireland, a handful of caps for Ireland, uh, played all those caps alongside Neil Francis in the second row, right? Uh, Neil Francis, when he died, came out and said, and it kind of, about a week after he died, his his family came forward and said, you know, he's a paedophile, he beat his wife, you know, he was like, maybe the biggest piece of shit rugby's ever produced, yeah. Davey Tweed. Uh, Neil Francis came out and, in his column that week, wrote, I thought he wasn't a very good player and I always thought he shouldn't have been in the Ireland team for that. And I, well, I guess that's the headline. I guess that's Horrible the news. Thing. The worst person you know just made a really good point. No, 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 no. But his problem wasn't the paedophilia. It was the fact that he wasn't very good at rugby. Like, his yeah, ball handling true. was bad. Yeah, yeah. It is like when people say, like, oh, I can't believe you keep swiping at poor Paddy Jackson. He's a really good rugby player. It's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't. And also, he's a, like, 6 out of 10 fly off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the point is, just I just don't care. No. Like, he might be a really good... Like, right. We're releasing this on the weekend that Israel Folau is getting his first cap yeah. for Tonga. Like, I'm not going to dispute the fact that he is a world-class rugby player, but also, he is a massive piece of shit. Yep. 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 I will stand by and co-sign all of that, but we're not doing the Tonga team, we're doing the Ireland team. That's true. That's so, true. this is Neil Francis's debut, yeah. and it's impossible not to, like... Like, he gets injured about 20 minutes yeah, yeah. it's impossible to not find it quite satisfying. I'm not going to lie, spent his... I have done the man who injured him in man of match contention. <laughs> like, I kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to be a dick, I don't like to be cruel, I'm not generally a, you know, person who cheers on vindictive stuff. Sure. But there is a bit of you that's like, oh, well, well this has already happened. So that's, it's okay that's to it, it's it. like, he gets injured probably two or three times in the game. Yeah. And like, I couldn't help looking at it and go, that's pretty neat. Yeah, like, it wasn't right, anything more it? than that. Right. It wasn't, like, cheering on, like, yeah, you beat it up, you know. It wasn't like that. But it was just like, oh, decent, that. Decent. Yeah. So, Ireland also bringing JJ McCoy, who sounds like a Star Trek character. Yes. To play Tighthead, uh, who is described by the commentator as an experienced international, eight caps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a serving policeman officer mm-hmm. at the time um, in Northern Ireland. And, yeah, was kind of 
he dropped out of school in order to serve as an officer during the Troubles. Oh, right. That's pretty cool. And, yeah, so I mean, there's the a lot of cool, kind of... but that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm putting that... Well, Owen, the Troubles are pretty cool. I said they weren't cool. No, you said they were cool. No, I didn't, um, you shit. You said the Troubles were cool. Hey, come back here. Come back here. You take so, that back. Yeah, basically, he was like a really, he ended like, up being really celebrated as the the troubles went on. As for bit, you know, he received like threats to his life. Um, oh, wow. He received a bullet in the post from the IRA. Jesus. Um, to say that you know, like you're you're a mock man, you know. Bloody hell. And then yeah, went on to win a Five Nations with Ireland. I mean, that's pretty badass, right? You know, win a triple crown. Yeah, that's some so, king shit right there. You know, like he's got interesting. Li- that's an interesting life going. Yeah, on. oh yeah, yeah. He is one of my favorite Star Trek characters now. <laughs> that's very cool. That's very cool. Like, I mean, as I say, the content itself is not, but the fact he came yeah. through and skated and won the Five Nations. You go, King. <laughs> what a guy. So is that is about done with the Ireland team. Any anything else of interest? I mean, you know. It's otherwise just some guys, isn't it? Yeah, it is exactly. It's exactly that. Tonga. I'll tell you what. No, 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 no. There's a. Hold on. 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 There was one player I didn't recognise and didn't do any research in. I've just clicked on his Wikipedia page, right, okay. while we were looking for anything to say on the island yeah. team, right? Terry Kingston, the hooker. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So Terry Kingston, former Irish rugby player who played for the Irish national team, he plays a hooker. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he plays Ireland between blah blah blah. Played in the World Cups. Also played for Munster rugby. Captain Munster team that beat Australia. Then World Cup holders in 1992. Okay. Interesting fact. Wow, okay. that, is, that is an interesting His fact. His son, Peter Kingston, has a keen taste of the sport of rugby as well. Starting in the A-team in his first year of secondary school at Christian Brothers College in Cork, Peter enjoys grabbing and twisting people's wrists as well. What? It's... It's... It's his son, Horrid Henry. <laughs> that was clearly added by someone his son bullied. That was it. it that's school. it. Like... Uh, it was, and it you was... added that as your your dad's on Wikipedia, so I'm going to vandalize. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you know what? But it's in a way of like, I want your dad to see this, yeah, rather yeah. than like, I want the general public to see this. I want your dad to look at his own Wikipedia page to potentially edit it or whatever, and then go, son, <laughs> come up here, come up here. What's this? Well, um, his son. Yeah, I played. I played for Ireland schools. What? What of it? No. Uh, yeah, I like to grab people's wrists and twist them. It's just a hobby of mine. Go to your room. It's, it's harmless. It's entirely harmless. Yeah. And I hope whoever's wrist was grabbed is okay. Yeah, me and too. And I do not condone that behaviour whatsoever. Likewise. I think that's a general position of the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast. That wrist <laughs> grabbing and yeah. twisting, not the one. Not good. Not good. Not good. Callum Clark, not invited onto this podcast. Yeah, he's a prick. Should we move on to Tonga? Yes. Shut up, Israel Falau. So they have not really made too many changes, I think. There's, again, like naturally when I look at this Tonga team, I just look at all the dads that are in there. Like you've got Mr. Tupo, you've got Tuunga Fassi, you've got Valu. You've just got so many cool dads in there. However, right, I want to talk about not a dad, but an uncle. Okay. okay. Now, this is, this, is, this is a big story that I've been... I knew this was a thing before we start this podcast, and I've been trying to find out who in the Tongan team this story was about, and I now know, okay? Okay. So, Talai Etiaki, right? The okay. fullback for Tonga, okay? Right. So, here's your first start of a 10 minor fact on him, okay? Okay. I'm nervous. He is the uncle of a USA Sevens player. Okay. His nephew went on to play Sevens for the USA okay. only played in one tournament oh, right. was quite you know quite a good player by, by all accounts right 
But not somebody I'd know. However, no, no, no. Although there is a website, weirdly, I, I came across <laughs> website. <and searching> him. <laughs> there is a website I came across, which just has, like, rugby poll, rugby showdown. Um, and it said, like, when you click on this guy's profile, and it was, like, the only site that had any information on him, his, his nephew. And it said, who's a better player, him or Brad Barrett? And it had a poll you could click on. And they had, like, a whole tournament bracket leading through... <laughs> And he was up against Brad Barrett in the first round and got knocked out. I mean, yeah. Um, I'm, I, which, I don't know. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I think the one with a lot of England caps is probably better than the one I've ever heard of. Probably. Just... The one who like played a starring role in a win over the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go like all like that All Blacks fan. It was like, I don't know, Josh Adams isn't very good because I've never heard of him. But, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, however, so that is a minor point. Okay. Because right? the... Real headline, right? You may remember Etiarchy mm-hmm. for his flying headbutt on Glenn Webb the <laughs> yes. previous week. <laughs> Indeed, I do. Yes. And you may remember him for his no-arms tackle in the other game against Canada. I'm seeing a theme occurring here, yeah. Okay. Does he like to grab so, people's wrists and twist them as well? <laughs> he got very used to no-arms tackles as, he, as his career goes on. Okay. Right. So, Tali Etiarchy, two years after this World Cup, right, finds himself... <laughs> Two years after this World Cup, Taliyatiaki finds himself in a jungle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and... There's not many things that sentence can mean. So, was he on I'm a Celeb, yes or no? He's in a jungle, right? And there's so few details out there on this, and I've been really thorough researching this for weeks now. Like, I have been, I've been looking into this since before our last game on Tonga, because I wanted, like, comprehensive details as far as I could. Right, okay. And I can't, I couldn't find that many. <laughs> so I don't know where the jungle was. There are rainforests in Tonga, but there doesn't seem to be a jungle, as far as I can tell. Okay. So it probably was somewhere else. And it's always described in the two sources I found as a jungle. Okay, a jungle okay. As well as yeah, 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 yeah. Okay? And again, the details on this are quite vague. But... <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't... I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um... Do you remember how in um, a previous game we talked about the Fijian medic who chased the man around with, <laughs> with a, a weapon, weapon? Yes. And we decided it was a machete. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, whilst in this jungle, <laughs> Talai Etiaki got into a machete fight. <laughs> This is true. This is a real fact, right? <laughs> so Etiaki got into a machete fight in the jungle <laughs> in 1989. What happens in your okay? life to lead up to this? <laughs> well, sometimes you're just in the jungle. Sometimes you're just in the jungle with two machetes and another guy. It happens. We've all been. Most of us have been there. Not yeah, all yeah. of us, I see. I, I missed that episode most of, of Tarzan, but <laughs> so. Taliatiaki is, is, is in a machete fight in the jungle, presumably mm. with a Fijian medic. Yes, yeah. When... 
Now, okay, again, Dito's quite sparse on this, yeah. but we know one thing for certain from yeah, the yeah. outcome of this machete fight, okay. which is that Taliettiaki loses his arm. Oh my god. So, Taliettiaki, right, two years after playing this World Cup in 1989, loses his arm in a machete fight in the jungle. <laughs> It should, I'm sorry, I realise this is a very serious No, it is, man, but why did but... he go to the jungle? <laughs> so there's a bit... One of the one of the sources I could find... I found, like, three sources on this. One of them is a bit from Ross Harris's book, Beyond the Dragon. Right. And Rob Jones talks about this, and how having played against him a couple of times, he was completely unsurprised to find out that he ended up in a machete fight in the jungle. I mean... And then says, he always was a bit of a wild man. <sighs> thing is like there's some wild people in rugby but regardless i'm surprised to find out that he ended up in a machete fight in the jungle yeah yeah yeah. like joe marler isn't gonna do that (laughs) exactly exactly and if he does i will be surprised yeah yeah like i'll go i'll put my hands up i will be surprised it's a big jump from celebrity juice to machete fight that's what i'm saying like if he was in the jungle there's you know james haskell james haskell ended up in the jungle jungle. yeah Yeah. just Anton Deck spared him that day. <laughs> what if James Asko got in a machete fight with, with one of girls allowed? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he loses his arm in a machete fight in 1989, right? Yeah. He goes on to play three games for Tonga in their World Cup qualifying campaign in 1991. Sorry, what? Tonga did not qualify for that World <laughs> no, no, Cup. No, 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 no. Because like probably I... <laughs> because their fullback had one arm, and like I know that it's full tragic, power right? to him. Yeah, like, yeah, and well done to him. And we full power about... to him. It's an amazing achievement. We spoke about Denny Veach before and how great exactly, he managed yeah. to play international rugby with one arm, right? But like the thing is, I have seen Etearki's catching ability when he has two hands available to him, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be brutal with you. I wasn't impressed. Right, I wasn't. He, he calls pleased. one really good mark. He takes one really good high ball under pressure. Yeah, that's true. And he used both of his um, arms to, you, you know, very well there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And like, again, I'm aware this is very serious and very unfortunate that he lost yeah, his arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but also like, none of no, none of us. How many of us end up in a machete fight in the jungle without being at least partly culpable? Like, like if. I'm sorry, you've made certain decisions to lead you to a machete fight in the jungle. That's it. Like, I am pretty confident that in the next four years, at least, I'm not going to end up in the jungle fighting somebody with machetes. Like, I just think it's unlikely, given the path in life I'm on, which I'm not necessarily proud of. Just I don't think it will lead me there, of all places. If you do, go for his one remaining arm. Good point, yeah. Because it'll be him. He's going to come for me after this podcast, I reckon. So, so yeah, so he went on, you know, unsurprisingly, the World Cup qualifier where he's playing against Samoa. Samoa win 12 3. <laughs> you're like, yeah, what are you I expecting? wonder where they got 12 points from is interesting. But thing is, right, the imagine. The thing is, there's. Okay, so the year yeah. is 2011. We've covered this on the World Cup before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Ben Smith. Goes to the jungle, right? The fullback, Ben Smith, the fullback for New Zealand, yeah, yeah, yeah. goes yeah, to yeah. the jungle. 
right? I'm not sure which jungle. Probably the same one as Eteaki because it's geographically quite similar. Just the jungle. The, the jungle. one from Jungle Run. You know, you've yeah. got like Sid and Elvis. Sid the, and Elvis. The apes there. And Sid, let's be honest, you can probably remember this quite well because Jungle, yeah, yeah. J- Jungle Run was a banger. So was Jungle Book. But Sid was a bit badass, wasn't he? Like both of them, they, they both were. They were just fucking lob like fruit at your head and stuff. Like, yeah, they were both absolute Coconuts. mad lads. But this time, right? Instead, it's got a machete. <laughs> Bin Smurf himself engages with both Sid and Elvis in this in this duel, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's come to their jungle. It's it's what happens, and sadly, not through a geomedic, but through Sid and Elvis, Bin Smurf loses his arm. Do you think he then gets into the New Zealand team in 2015? I think so. I think he's very good. Yeah, he's very, you know, fucking great, isn't he? Houses. I was, was thinking great, that. Yeah. Like, I, I, think, I genuinely back him. I think one arm is, as, well, is as good as any. You else. made a very good choice because if you made me rank every international fullback from the last ten years in order of how likely I think they are to get in a machete fight in the jungle, Ben Smith is second bottom to only Rob Carney. <laughs> but if you if you then rank them in how good they would still be with one arm. That's true. Ben Smith That's is true. second best to Rob Carney. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But the big question is, which fullback from the last, let's say 10 years, yeah. is most likely to win a machete fight in the jungle? Oh, great question. And separate question, which is most likely to get in a machete fight in the jungle? And why is it um, Andre Kotzeer? I could see Andre Kotzeer doing it. But then again, he'd have Jungle Joe on his side, so... Uh, he'd true. have good backup so he wouldn't lose his arm unless Jungle win. Joe is the man who takes arms in the jungle could be could be I mean I, I'd, I'd back David Halifanua in a machete fight he's nailed yeah. yeah 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 that's a good shout that's a good shout Vungalilo Vungalilo we've just gone for the Tongans here sticking but... to Tongan theme yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but is your Lau perhaps mm. could we send his Lau into the jungle I mean I wouldn't mind seeing that just, just to yeah. see what happens with George North George North's very good looking. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know he is. No, I agree. Just, 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 just Israel Falau. So, so um, that's the Tom and Fulak who lost his arm in the machine yeah, yeah, in the yeah. jungle and went on to play again in a World Cup qualifier. That's incredible. I'd love to watch that game at some point. <coughs> uh, if we did a bonus episode so on the game, yeah, where... there's no the game wasn't oh. televised. So I've I've been looking into this, right? And I came across some stuff as well mm-hmm. on the year before this World Cup. Wales toured Tonga and Fiji. Yeah, they played Fiji first, then went to Tonga, and they played a number of games in Tonga. Now, there's a quote from Anthony Buchanan, the Wales prop on that tour, who said to someone in Fiji after the game, "That was a really physical game." And they went, oh, "If you think that's physical, you wait until you go to Tonga." And there are then some remarkable stories from that tour, of that Wales Tonga tour. Okay, and. This would have been more relevant on the episode on the game between Wales and Tonga. Sure. But I only came across it afterwards. Yeah. So we're going to talk about it now. That's fine. I apologise for that. So, when they arrived in Tonga, right, they played first against the Tonga President's 15. Okay. Okay. Is that 15 former Presidents of Tonga or a 15 selected yes. by the President it's of Tonga? 15, it's 15 former Presidents of Tonga. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, so during the President's 15 game, right... There's a this is a moment from again Anthony Buchanan's book, mm-hmm. which is called the Buck Props here. Okay, okay. Because he was a prop. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There's a moment in which he talks about before the kickoff they're doing the shaking hands with the King of Tonga, which is, you know lovely tradition. Of course, get, of course. Get, get to meet the King of Tonga, 
What a guy. Yeah. Uh, and he stood next to Richard Moriarty. And he looks across and sees their biggest player. who's a massive guy with a massive moustache. And he says, look at that guy. And Richard Moriarty says back to him, you're mocking him. He's their tight head. So that guy was Latu Vanieo. And, right, so he was an enormous, enormous bloke, apparently. Just like the biggest guy any of the Welsh team had ever seen. 20 minutes in, three Welsh players had gone off injured. All because he'd hit them. Oh, wow. All because of things he'd done. Jesus. Right? So 20 minutes in, Wales call a team talk in order to come up with a way to injure him. (laughs) It's horrible, but I get it. Yep. The, um... Buchanan says that he said himself, has anyone got an elephant gun? (laughs) So, the plan was hatched. They had to, you know, at the next ruck, have him severely dealt with. Okay. Meaning? So, he then emerges from this ruck with blood pouring out a massive gash on the side of his head. He suddenly looks up at Buchanan and says to him, you're a dead man. I mean... When Buchanan was not the man who stamped on him. (sighs) The thing is, right, I get why they went for that tactic because this guy was just so good, clearly, that he was injuring people because he was so massive and clearly must have been technically very strong. But Mm. it sounds like they suddenly realised what a bad call it was messing with him. Yeah. So thankfully he got brought off the field because he was just bleeding too much. That is awful. And basically the Welsh team ran away from him um, and tried to hide. (laughs) Just somewhere in the stadium, just try to hide from. Did the game um, carry on? Yeah, yeah, the game carried okay. on. Okay. Uh, apparently, Derek Quinnell, who was the Welsh coach at the time, told the Tongan management the level of violence was unacceptable. But the following week, right, or the next game, they played Tonga themselves, the test okay. team, right? Uh, which then the BBC article on this talks about it as being one of the most violent games to ever be played. Right. So. Early in the game, Mark Brown, who of course we mentioned before, was the first black player to play for yep. Wales, um, you know, played flanker Pontypool, was flattened by three Tongan forwards, which led to a massive brawl. Which, and I love this, which involved the entire team except for Malcolm Dacey. <laughs> Good on you, lad. You just kick your goals. Yep, I'm, I've got enormous, enormous respect for a fly off just running. Literally, away. just saying, you crack on, fellas. I'm not, not getting involved in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm having absolutely nothing to do no. with this. So Adrian Hadley was knocked out cold. Wow. And then uh, Stuart Evans, the prop, was left bleeding on the floor. Billy James was also on the floor, down, unable to get up, concussed. And Bledon Bowen ran away and tried to join the crowd. <laughs> because one of the Tongan props, Tavita Bloomfield, was chasing him. So he jumped into the crowd and hid, but a member of the crowd threw him back no! out. No! Like, could you imagine that of just like, you know, uh, let's think. Nick Tompkins uh, is getting chased, right? And he's running to the crowd and says, mate, you can have this. This is like an original Wales shirt. This is like a, a proper, you know, match-worn test shirt. You can have this, mate, if I can just have your casual clobber and then you can just escape, like, unnoticed. I'll do you a swap. Uh, what you do. I'm very, very fun. Yep. Uh, Jiffy, after the game at the post-match thing, said you were the dirtiest team I ever played against at the post-match function. So yeah, so that was kind of the pedigree of this Tongan team yes. leading into this. Yeah. Apparently those games were, like, they weren't broadcast live because, you know, it's a difficult thing in 87 to, to, you know. Yeah. 
S4C did send out a film crew, but the footage has all been lost. However, yep, so that is the pedigree of this Tongan team as we head into this game. Yes. So, do we start looking at the game itself? Sure. Oh, I've got the one other thing I've got a note on is Asa Amone, the Tongan fly half, who was 21 years old. This was his second game. Mm -hmm. He'd won his first cap against Wales in the previous game. Uh, He went on to only play three more games all against Samoa the following year, or later that year and then one the following year, before deciding to switch to play rugby league as a prop. Oh, wow. Uh, And he went on to play in the 95 Rugby League World Cup. It's an interesting transition. Uh, I know that rugby league plays... To be fair, Gareth Thomas played second row, didn't he? Um, Yeah, so there's a... You know, swinging positions. Yeah, um, interesting though. I don't know, we should ask Nadine Doris about this. Yeah, we really should, we really should. Uh, he now works in a mine in Western Australia. Oh. Yep. How very interesting. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, so the game starts... And again, I just start going like, oh my god, it's all rugby like this. Like, this is yeah, very strange. I mean, it starts with Tony Ward kicked a penalty very early on, like literally about 20 seconds into the game. Um, yeah, yeah. And Ireland start to look like they could actually play, be the first team to play like a decent tactical kicking game. Not the first team, but like... No, they, they don't. No, but they do. They do like two or no, three good don't. tactical kicks in a row. And then, right, I say two or three in a row, that's their lot. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that. Because you that. then it just becomes the world record for most kicks out on the fall. Everybody just starts doing it. Like, you, you, you know, totally get it down to your half-back, is... kick it out on the fall. Then the opposition get it, but get it on the half-back, maybe to the fly-half, kick it out on the fall. Tony Ward is held up as an all-timer. Yeah. And all he does in this game is kick the ball out on the fall and then knock it on over the line. Yeah. We'll come on to that knock-on, but I... Literally, I mean, I forgave him for that. Misses a drop goal for different reasons. Yeah. Um, Very strange start to the game for Ireland. As I say, like, I got a good first impression of their kicking game, right? Because Mm. they did two or three good ones in a row. Where I thought, like, oh, this is good. They're approaching this in quite a decent way. And then it became apparent to me that they weren't. It was just a fluke. 
at one point, um, Hugo McNeil uh, misjudges a kick's trajectory. It bounces behind him. He kind of gathers it in his arms and seems to throw it up in the yes! air again. So I, what I imagine happened here is he didn't want to get tackled. So he thought, yeah. if I throw it in the air, I'm not in possession of the ball. Uh, you can't tackle me because he will have had like a tongue. I, you know, I would take a swipe at him for being afraid of contact, but judging by this Tongan team, I'd do exactly the yeah. same. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throws it up in the air. of like, ah, you can't tackle me now. I'm passing to myself. <laughs> Look, his opposite number is two years away from a shetty fight <laughs> in the jungle. Like, can you blame it? Can you blame him? Not one bit. Uh, as I say, I, I actively commend it at this point. And yeah, it, it, it carries on until in the very same passages of play, it finishes with the Tongan number eight, Maliu Felice, stamping in Philip Matthews' face. Yes. Like, catching like his, his sort of forehead. It's like, horrible. It's horrible. And he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. what he's doing. And it's, it's... it's completely unprompted as well. He looks down and just yeah, stamps yeah. on his face right in front of the referee. And Ireland go down to 14 men for the fact that they yeah. had Phil Matthews get stamped on. Yeah, so Phil Matthews goes off for about five minutes and then comes back on with a bandage round. Yeah, head. yeah. You doubt that would happen nowadays if somebody had literally been stamped on the face, like, and like, not to give it credit, and it was a really be, good yeah. stamp. Like he got all six of his studs in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's horrible. Horrible. It's a horrible, horrible thing to watch back. Yeah, but you know, it's bloody games on soft, isn't it? Yeah, bring back the old days. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really nasty and deliberate bit of thuggery. Yeah. Um, that is not missed by the referee yet only given as a penalty. Yeah, ludicrous, and yeah, and like there are sendings off in this tournament yet to come. We've not had one like, yet, have we? What? But they do happen. Yeah, there is one in this tournament. Yeah, and I've been aware of this as well. But yeah, we have witnessed so much shit that's just not been given. Like this is one yeah. of the worst, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This stamp in the face. Um, and I, I think there's there's like a couple of like there's a quite Romanian punch to the face. Yeah, there's like I think in every game there's a couple of quite subtle punches which can let off yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like swinging arms going into tackles and stuff and like really dangerous dumb clumsy shoulder barges and stuff like that. Etiarchy at one point grabs a man by the neck and throws him at the floor. Exactly. That's a tackle attempt. Yeah. Yeah. But you know by him... <laughs> yeah. Insert joke you know, here. Like... He's got yeah. He's got to he's got to work out a new tackle technique because he's not going to be able to wrap any time. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. There's the punchline. There, there we go. Then I don't know. I feel a bit. I feel a bit bad about that. Yeah. I feel a bit. I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. It's okay. fine. It's just I feel 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 a bit weird about. Um, the thing is, he did he did knowingly get into a machine. He did go to the thing. jungle. Yeah, yeah. He did, and he has spent this entire tournament just no arms tackling people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like into and, next week. Like, yeah, chinning Glenn Webb and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm not saying he brought it on himself. No, no, no. I don't no, want to. I don't want like, to victim. Feels like a real great, like moral gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Taliati Yeah, and his machete fight in the jungle. He's definitely left an impression on me. I'll say that yeah. much as a precursor to the Tongan leaving party. So suddenly, after the, all of the requests last week, we get some gridiron shit by Tonga, <laughs> and they. It seems, because they do like a really long one-handed overthrow at the line-out to, to midfield, mm. at which point one of the Tongan centres runs up to it and then gets about three metres away from the ball and thinks, oh no, I can't stand in line with it. That's where the line-out is and just stops dead on the floor and just drops the ball because they didn't actually like run onto the ball fully. Yeah. And it seemed that generally 
Tonga had some really good like creative line-out moves because line-outs weren't a thing you could win normally. No. No, but, no, no. So they thought, right, okay, let's do something really creative. But every time it just got intercepted by Ireland being tall. Yeah, and it was very much talked about as a reason that Neil France had come into the team was he yes. was a lock and he was playing at number eight. Like, so they had an extra line-out That's option. it, he's a cunt, but he's a tall cunt. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, and they were very much looking at him as just a line-out guy, as that kind of sort of line-out. Yes. And it didn't really work. Like, the Tongan line-out is really is as solid as we've seen from anyone other than yeah. the USA team. All things considered, there. yes. Yeah. And some of that might be because they were just flailing around and punching all the island players, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, it's a shame to characterise this Tonga team as the kind of stereotype that often comes up. Yeah, because but it I is a dumb stereotype. It's probably where the stereotype started. It probably is. It probably, And frankly, it's probably where it, it finished is. as well. Like, yeah. um, as, as in, it's probably where it finished so, being truthful. Tonga played their first game in, like, 1923. Right. Uh, but they didn't then play again until like 73. So there's like a 50 year gap. Right. And then they played every now and again, sort of sure, in the next 10 yeah. years before this World Cup being they're kind of like big invitation to the world stage. Sure. And I think them coming into it with this notoriously dirty team yeah. who were just, you know, knocked three Welsh players You'd out. You'd hate to play against them. And then, yeah, yeah like stamped on an Irish player's face in the first five minutes. Yeah. And you kind of, you know, knock Glenn Webb out and everything. Yeah, a lot of it. And you kind of do get an impression from that that I think to a lot of old school journalists has kind of stuck in their head as their first impression of this team. Yeah. And it's then kind of haunted Tonga. That's it. Like his, in a way, it's completely unfair. You or I watch Tonga and we think the first Tonga team we will have watched will have been the 2011 one where yeah, the yeah, stand-up yeah. players, you've got, you know, Tanya Lamoa, Falfelise, Suwani Tongawea, Aleki Lutui, who are all hard, skillful and fun players. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's what I, I think, think of when I think of Tongan rugby. Like, yeah, being like big lads, but with you know, like, and they've got a level of edge, but there is a there's a fun. There's, there's a bit too. of flair to them as well that kind of yeah, accompanies exactly. Them. It's not a, and you know that carries on to, to Tongan rugby today, barring one certain right winger. But right wing, right wing. That's very good. Yeah, um, I think that was a joke I made in like 2018 on the channel. Nice, very good. But yeah, it's like probably a, it's probably a generational thing. Is my point that uh, yeah, as younger yeah. viewers we look at Tonga and think of them as quite a, an exciting yeah. team with an edge, as you say. Whereas this, as you say, this stereotype probably started around this World Cup and probably truthfully wore off not long after it. But and it's a, it, the same thing's happening with Georgia now, right? Like yeah. Georgia being characterised as one thing and they're not that thing. Anymore. That's it. They're not like, just Georgia, a scrum anymore. Yeah, if you go through every pack in this year's, you know, they're playing from this year's summer international, yes. right? Georgia have the second lightest pack to Europe. Yeah, yeah, and yet they are still characterised as these massive. And that's it. You know, they've got because they produce lots of props. That's but. they've got a technically great like set of forwards, uh, and yeah. that's what they are now. You know, they're more in the Japan mould than the I guess Georgia of 2011 kind of mould where they yeah. were just you know a lot of and I say this as a compliment fat bastards who were really really and good at just pummeling the opposition yeah sure they've got plenty of like chili carvers and so on still playing yeah. the top 14 but you look at their kind of highest profile players at the minute and it's players like Nineshvili it's players like the two yeah Gugadze you know they're either like technically Absendadze yeah great really skillful talented yeah 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 Charakadza, yeah, the lot of them. So anyway, anyway, crack on mm. with the game. Sure. McNeil scores a try. So yes, 
Really nice try. Really nice try. They run like a nice um, little loop. Really move. good handling. Everyone times it really well. Yeah. Fullback coming into the line in 1987 was massively overpowered. Yeah, yeah. As I say, like it was just like an automatic. Try there was no, there was it. no Kevin Higgins to make a tackle no. this time. So Tony Ward times his pass beautifully. I think uh, on that little wraparound I, yeah. runs a really nice little line and lifts the ball really nicely. McNeil throws a dummy and just shows good power and pace to go the rest of the way. I have written in my notes here. Um, so far, Tony Ward has done one good pass and 986 kicks out on the fall. <laughs> Man of the match. Then there's a few more kicks out on the fall. I mean, yeah, but there's a great moment, though. The best kick out on the fall of the game, I think. Yeah. Um, so Ireland do like a... Re- I think it's McNeil. There's a really random punt into the 22, which is not covered very well by Quiddus Filidea, who is the Tonga winger, mm-hmm. right? But Fidiaia then does regather it on his own trialer and does an overhead clearance. Yes. Which makes it up to the 22. Like, kicks it backwards over his own head and clears yeah. it successfully. Yeah. Incredible shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best kick out in the fall of the day. Yeah. And, like, the same guy beforehand had done running backwards, kicked it directly uh, directly into Mullin's hands. Like, so it's just, like, a really good redemption arc uh, by Phil yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah, T- Tonga then start to kind of get their way into the game a little bit, make a nice couple of breaks. There's a, I mean, speaking of kicking backwards, so Felice, mm-hmm. you know, who obviously having done his stamp, yeah. uses his feet in a different way, makes a little break, kicks it ahead, like really nice kick. Yeah. That then Keith Crosnan, the Irish winger, just boots back into his own twenty. So funny, like nails it backwards another thirty meters. I shouted no when he did that, like. <laughs> Uh, ludicrous shit. Yeah, so uh, Fafita does this, uh, makes this nice break where he kind of passes, uh, makes a really nicely timed pass on the blind side mm. and finds... I can't remember who, but uh, one of the wingers, I think, uh, running down the right-hand side. And it's just a really nice bit of running by Tonga and it's like, that was kind of their way into the game was that they just played yeah, quickly yeah. and uh, made breaks that way. And like, they didn't have a very good kicking game, Tonga, but they managed oh. to find their way upfield quite a lot. They have a few of those, but they do have one in particular that stands out, where Fafita, the scrum art, yes. picks and goes on the... There's a scrum on the blind... It's got a blind side of about two metres, and he's got the winger waiting like right on the touchline. He picks and goes and runs himself, at which point he notices three Irish bodies, so he just passes it to the winger in order to get in order for him to get bothered by <laughs> himself. It's the worst sniper of the tournament so far. Big fan. Big fan of the sheer cowardice. Yeah. Puts even Hugo McNeil in the chuck in the ball in the air to avoid being tackled. It just, just excellent. He literally excellent picked him up and gave him a lift to Ward Four. Yeah, I hope not, Justin. That's the maternity ward. There's a great point where a scrum wheels 180 degrees, so Fafita starts fishing the ball out the Irish number eight's feet, <laughs> which is phenomenal. And like there wasn't a protocol for it. So the referee no. just watches it for ages, like, what's he doing? And then the, one of the Tongan flankers then comes to help him out, like, you know, we'll try and fish this out of the back of our scrum, except it's on the Irish side, it's just wheel 180. And then the referee just kind of goes, I guess that's a penalty, and just kind of sticks his arm <laughs> yeah. in and just goes, I don't really know what the protocol is, lads, but I don't think you can do that. <laughs> Ireland also missed two really simple, stupid option drop goals. Mullin misses one, and then Ward misses another. I, I have it written um, from just in my outside notes. the post. Mullin goes for a drop goal like a prick. Yep. And then Tony Ward does the same thing like five like, minutes later. They're, they're running a move where Tony Ward, and it's a very effective move as we learn in this game. Tony Ward passes to Mullin, loops around him, looking for finds some mm. space. He does that, goes for that move, and Mullin just ignores the move and goes for a drop goal instead. Idiot. I didn't even pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Stupid. 
So, oh, there is the stupidest moment in the game, but I think we'll go, come on to this in Dick of the Day territory. Okay. Tonga making another couple of nice breaks. We're getting very close to, to half time. There's a point where I just write, I get bored and so just stopped paying attention for the last two minutes, but I think so on Mr. Drop Goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Ward. Yeah, yeah. Tony Ward misses a drop goal this is, just for half time. Like, we are skimming this game because we're so bored of it. But I um, there's nothing interesting to talk about. Mullin scores a try. It's nearly um, a pushover. At one point, uh, Tonga have a clear overlap. Uh, Etiak is coming to the line to create the extra man because it was massively overpowered. Yeah. Uh, and he knocks it on. <laughs> Almost like he never needed that extra yeah, arm anyway. exactly. It, he drops he so many He didn't use balls. it for anything anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah Mullin scores a try. Ireland need to get pushed over on the scrum. Um, oh, Mullin yeah. I mean, just kind of so the, go on. So, yeah, the Ireland scrum is shoving them on a bit. And Felice picks a ball up at number eight and just offloads instantly to Fafita his scrum half, who is absolutely nailed, smashed by all the Irish forwards who pile in around him. And he then goes full McNeil and just chucks the ball randomly right into the path of Brendan Mullin, who is just standing there hoping this will happen. He then just gathers it and dots it down. This is five metres out for their own line. Yep. He just randomly lobs the ball because he doesn't like That pain. is right at the end of the game. But, yes. Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. Right. That was... I thought that, that was... was that... See, because they do this. They One of Mullins tries, he scores, and they go, that's his hat-trick. And I'm like, what? Wait, was what? It? He scores a hat-trick? I can't remember how... He oh, a my God, he scores a hat-trick. He does. Yep. I had no idea because the first one he scores right, and mm. I, w- I will give more details to the one you've just described right. But the first one he scores, yeah, to- okay. Ireland are about to push Tonga over uh, on a on a five meter scrum, and then they pass to him. Okay, he dives over and drops the ball very clearly, and it's given anyway. You oh know, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah, and the commentator yeah. says that the referee's going to start having nightmares about that every night. Uh, that 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 thing. but you know I can see why it was given. It was difficult in real time. Sure, it's yeah. not like a, it's not like the David Campesi one, you know. So that try is given just before half time. And also, like it's Island Tonga. Yeah, who cares? You know, yeah, who gives a shit? They no don't... one's going to be talking about this in forty years. Exactly. Time. They, they don't mention people phoning in at half time, um, uh, saying, "Oh yeah, you're actually wrong. It was a try." So nobody cared. The no, the referee, of course, Guy Maret from France. Yeah, interesting bloke. There was there was a point where the commentator kind of stereotyped him and said, like, they asked the referee if that's okay to play, and he probably said, oui, oui, or something like that. That's then again, it's good. probably a fair stereotype that a Frenchman can speak French, so... <laughs> that's true, It's that a lot true. better than get the ball to me, boyo. Uh, I'll give you that much. So... So, he went on to run a vineyard after he retired from refereeing. Cool. And is listed for some reason as having played one game for Leinster oh which seems insane I highly doubt that he must have refereed a game and it'd be listed wrong yeah yeah he might play for Leinster he might he might have been part of the sub academy who knows <laughs> do you want to just jumble the order and redo the I the... don't care enough yes yeah. let's we'll talk about that last try because that was but, yeah that was just utterly like yeah man's getting driven back behind his own try line and just surrenders. Like, again, like, I'm sorry I interrupted you and probably didn't do justice to quite how daft this was. But McNeil is literally waiting in the 910 channel. And, like, the 9 just goes, okay, you have it. It's Mullin. Yeah, Mullin, sorry. Mullin, yeah. Yeah. Mullin just lingering, just waiting, and he just lobs it randomly and it lands straight in his arms. Yeah. 
It's very, very simple. And like no none of the other players notice he scores. That's it. And like nobody bollocks the scrum off for doing it either. No. Nobody well, I cares. Mean, like, no, but really it's Felice's fault for it just is. like going one of us is gonna be smashed, it might as well not be me yes. and be the smallest player on our team. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean nobody bollocks either of them for it. But then again, no. just like I think just nobody had standards generally in this World Cup. Like there was a point where Michael Bradley gets the ball going backwards, like uh, off a mm. line out, and just walks into touch. And I just kind of wondered, like, do do you know that that's bad? What you've just done, like you just ran backwards and then walked into touch, because, like under not much pressure, when you could have just got a pass away or walked around. Yeah, yeah, that's the the one I've got down as being the worst snipe of all time. Yeah, yeah, it's atrocious. Yeah, and it's like, do you know that that was bad? Like, it's important to me that you know that that was bad. It kind of explains why Zebra have not really worked under him. Yeah, because he's been telling him it's not too bad if you just walk into touch. Yeah, just, just walk into touch if you like, lads. So, around the point when the commentator starts repeatedly calling them Fijian, yeah. uh, I have down, and I will timestamp this on the pod, the funniest okay. bit of the game. Okay. Whereby it is about one hour, one minute and 45 seconds into the game. Tonga okay. get and you might want to get pull this up, Robbie. Uh, so you I am doing it. Speak. So Tonga gets a penalty and they tap and go. They make a really nice little break through Leavar, who makes a lot of breaks where he kind of like steps around somebody and then he offloads to Tonga Farsi, who attempts to hurdle one of the Irish players on the floor and just lands in touch. And it's just <laughs> so really he does. funny. <laughs> So I've just watched this back. I've just seen this. Because I was just kind of watching, you know, all the, the bollocks going on. Oh, yeah, it all becomes normalised at some point. And it? also it's just kind of fun. Like, it's just nice that there's some sort of rugby breaks yeah, out yeah, yeah. in the moment. And also that's the second attempted hurdle in the game. Because uh, Fafita tried one earlier on. Yeah, I, I've not got that time stamped, unfortunately. But he also tries to hurdle Keith Crossan. Yeah, but it's really funny because Tungan Farsi playing second row has, like, really long gangly legs. Uh, and just limbs generally. So it's the most unnatural hurdle you'll ever see. Yeah, and he yeah, just kind of yeah. happens to land in the plane of touch uh, by it's... trying to hurdle a man. You know what it reminds me of? Waluigi in the Mario and Sonic Olympics. Yes! It's exactly he like He jumps that. like Waluigi. He does. It's. I, I think that might be related. I think so. He's got a moustache. Yeah? Do you, do you think Waluigi is like a long, distant co- cousin of um, uh, Ofotonga Fasi? Yes. Current all-black prop. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Waluigi has no backstory. Yes. And there's just like, we know nothing about it. Yeah. <laughs> because he's actually like a big supporter of the Tongan Rugby Union national team. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for Mario Machete fight to come. I was going to say, do you, think, do you think Waluigi's been to the jungle? <laughs> of course he has. Yeah. He's, of course he has. If anybody from the Mario universe has been to the jungle, it's Mario, frankly, because he goes it's to a lot Donkey of places. Kong. He travels around a lot. Yeah, that's it's also Donkey true. Donkey Kong. He lives in the jungle. Yeah, but Waluigi, if it's... If, look, I mean the jungle. You know the jungle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's probably Waluigi. He's in top three okay. anyway. Do you think Tagliatiaki enjoyed Donkey Kong Jungle Beat? You know um, what? Because he got jungle beat in a machete fight. <laughs> what the hell are you on about? But, what is this podcast? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Do you, when people like listen into like the good, the bad, and the rugby, or whatever other rugby podcasts are popular, no, it's, it's there's two of us. a reason. There must be something that they're doing better than us, and so, I can't think what it is. 
So, uh, when I was at Twickenham the other week for the Premiership final, yeah. um, a guy stopped me outside the ground and told me, really liked the, there were two guys actually, two of them together, uh, and they told me they really liked the videos, they really liked the channel, which was lovely, and I thanked them everything. Yeah. And they said, oh, you should you should do a podcast, you should do a rugby podcast. And they said, like, I think all the rugby, rugby podcasts are shit, you should do one. <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell them I do have one, but on it we talk about France against Zimbabwe from 1987, and none of the stuff you want to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you're a big fan of, you know, decent rugby content, that's great. Why don't you go and listen to something where you say, you know, you got Donkey Kong jungle beat with a machete uh, in a fight. If those guys eventually find this and get this far in, I'm so sorry. And congratulations. Yeah, well done. You know, well done. Good work. Good work getting yeah. through this. But also, you prick for not, like, trying to promote your own podcast. I just didn't have the heart to say, yes, but you've got to listen to our episode in f- on Australia against the USA it. from 40 years ago. In fairness, they did say all the other ones are shit. And it implies yeah. that they're wanting one that isn't. Which... Like, I want people to come up to us and tell us how how terrible this podcast is. Do you? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. It happens daily. Okay. <laughs> There's a bit in the video, by the way, I realised, the, the kind of young one that's just gone up. Yeah. Uh, where I refer to him as Elite Daily, not Elliot Daily. And just going to stick with that from now on. That is his name now. He is Elite Daily. Fair enough. There's a moment where there's maybe the worst camera angles on a goal kick I've ever seen. Where they're playing a replay. Right Christ, are we talking the... about that? <laughs> yeah. The, do you know what's even worse? The, the camera, camera angles. angles. Sir Alan Partridge. So there's a bit where the goal kicker, the bloody man. <laughs> we are losing our minds here. Asa <laughs> Amone for Tonga is taking a kick at goal, but they're playing a replay of what the penalty fence was for until right at the moment he strikes it, at which point we have this kind of like wide shot of him hitting the ball. And it then cuts to the Irish fullback watching it go over and you can't see the ball or the posts. Yes, but then you only then you see somebody with the ball and you go, oh, yeah. he must have missed it by quite he some must, way he then. Must have, he must have really missed. Because the guy is you, basically stood in the corner. Yeah, you don't see, you barely, you see like the second he hits the ball and that is the only contact of the ball you see during the kind of coverage of this shot. Yeah, and you know what? I reckon Amone is really grateful for that. Yep, there is no record. <laughs> for all we know, he got it. You know, it could be like the um, Leboc one from the other week. Where people reckon it went through or mm. didn't go through, or yeah, a yeah. controversial one. Uh, even though it clearly goes through when you look at any angle of the broadcast one. Yes, yeah, could be, could be like that. Could have been like that, but we'll never know yeah. because we never saw an angle of the kick. Mullen scores another try, which is again just from a loop and a good time pass from yeah. Ward. It's, it's very similar it's to the first taken. one. And yeah, yeah, yeah Mullen's line's very good as well, and he dives yeah, over yeah. from short range. It's well taken, as you say. It's just like spotting what the defence are up to and just working That's it, yeah. It. Like it's... I then have written Mullen kicks like a prick. Uh, Emone does a class chip kick and drops it when he like comes to regather. Yep. Yeah, I mean... So Mullen scores that third try and then almost instantly, because there's about four minutes to go, right, when he scores that try. Yes. And prior to this, right, I noticed that the score was 22-6 and I knew the final score was 32-9 mm-hmm. I was like hold on what's happening in the last four I minutes? had exactly the same thing of like wait Tonga need to score a penalty here they need to <laughs> opt for a penalty and score it so Mullins scores a try Tonga kick off yeah and instantly win a penalty from the kickoff right and from 40 odd metres out in the corner they go we're 28-6 down there are three minutes to play points it's utterly Which, ridiculous. There have been some bizarre 
shot a goal decisions in this World Cup, but I they think have. this is the greatest of them all. Because most of them don't happen with three minutes to go. No. And, like, there is literally nothing they can gain from that. No. They're out of the World Cup in a couple of minutes. Nothing they can gain, except yeah. three points, which they do gain. But... but they could have ended it by, you know, looking for a try or something. Yeah. And, you know, chasing... A... But no, they just decided to have a slightly less depressing scoreline. With nine points instead of six. But not really. Not really, no. It's like the only explanation is that they knew this game had to finish 32-9. Yeah. And so they took that shot. It's like the famous Gareth Edwards joke about, you know, whoever it was said to him before that, this famous 74 Lions tour, uh, I reckon you're going to win the tour, you're going to go out there and win 21 games and draw one. And he says, like, winning the 21 was easy, but do you know how bloody difficult (laughs) it was to draw that extra one? It's very good. It's um, very good. And that, because that was exactly the result in the yeah. end. Yeah. And it's a bit like that. Like, Tonga knew they had to finish 32-9. Yeah. So they just had to really take the shot at goal. Of course, by this point, I was watching on double speed because I, yeah, I joined yeah. you uh, in taking speed to watch this game. And So much better, in it? It starts to look like and resemble like actual it, rugby. It was really watch funny speed. watching at a double yeah. speed. I also thought, because there's a point when the... Really, I... No, it wasn't even funny. It just felt normal. It just felt like I was watching... Oh, I was, having, I was having a laugh with it. I mean, there's a point where uh, one of the Irish players goes down with a knee injury, and watching him flap his knee back and forth on double speed was really, really trippy. I loved it. Yeah, then, I mean, we're more or less there. So, no, so it ends on a try by McNeil. McNeil scores, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's nice. Ireland work it wide. uh, Has a nice little step back inside. Good pace to finish it, but I don't know if that's just because I watched it on double speed. (laughs) Once again, fullback coming into the line. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overpowered. Overpowered. You can't take someone on the 15 up on the 91 World Cup when we eventually get on to yeah. like five years' time. Yep. Oh, Jesus Christ, we've got to do that as well. Yeah. I know we keep having these moments, and they probably stop being funny by now, these moments of realising what we're doing. But here's the thing. I mean them every time. Yeah. I really mean, why are we doing this? What are we doing? I mean... I generally am enjoying the quality of shit rugby that we're getting here, but there are certain games where it slightly grates on you. It's quite difficult. Yes. But, hey, we're nearly at the group stage now, so we'll do the Tongan leaving party, shall we? Yes, let's do it. Okay, there are no results on Apple Music when you type cool Tongans in. Oh, it's gutting. Try YouTube, just try Tongan bangers, that's what I usually do. Holy shit, there's a song that mentions Israel Folau. Oh my god. In the lyrics. I don't know why I tapped here in. This is Tommy Wiseau. Name drops Gotham and Israel Falau in the course of the song. Wow. Sounds terrible. Oh Jesus Christ. What? Okay. I've just read the example of the quote. Of the I've just got to the Israel Falau part of the lyrics of reading through them. And it is horrible and extremely homophobic. Oh. And I would like you to bleep out when you come back to doing this, the guy's name. Okay. Because I don't want any promotion. I can just, I can just remove this. Um, no, 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 There's just an absolute prick who put a really homophobic bit in his song and then put Like Is Rafael in the, in the song. Oh, what a wanker. What a, what a wanker. Let's find some cool Tongan music instead. That's the one we used last time. Hopefully this one is not enormously homophobic. Sounds more like it. So, Tongan leaving party. Yeah. So, should we celebrate this by doing a machete fight in the jungle? I think we should. I think we should. I mean, on that note, as I say, I think Eteaki is going to be one of the players I best remember looking back at this yes. World Cup. I also, so I enjoyed Talai Fafita. Uh, I don't know mm. if that's because he was really good or was really bad, but I definitely enjoyed him. He's memorable, isn't he? Yeah, he does yeah. Stick out as like a... I think he was basically the most involved player in every game. 
And he kind of sets the mould for Tong and Scrumarves, who are sure. quite physical, but not that big. Yeah. Like we've kind of seen in a lot of Tong and Scrumarves in the decades since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I completely get that. As I say, like, he, yeah, wasn't afraid to get stuck in with the forward stuff or do any of the kicking bits, good or bad. I also, so I liked, uh, I liked Fako Valu, the captain. Yeah. And, you know, in future World Cups, you get to watch his son, who is one of my favourite players in the world. So, and that is such a theme throughout this Tongan team. You know, it's kind of like the promise of what could be mm. in a third generation's time. Yes. Once they get all of the bastardry out of their system. Yes. Because we have, I mean, just to like run through it very quickly, just playing in this game today, right? We have Tanner Tupo's father. Yeah. Right? We have Billy and Mako Vanapola's uncle. Yes. Who's on the bench, doesn't get on. We have, yeah, Vipulu Senior. And is that it, actually? Of a Tonga Farsi's dad. Oh, Tonga Farsi's dad. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Valu's dad. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, Valu, that is. There's, a, there's a real kind of, you know, theme running through this of, of really strong genetics. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I know is a bit of a bullshit point to finish the Tonga team on, but I think generally I have enjoyed their company uh, in this World Cup. Yeah. And, yeah, as I say, I, I am excited to hopefully one day uncover any small remains of footage of Eteaki playing with one arm. It's really difficult. I spent a yeah. lot of time trying to track stuff down. There's not even the photos shame. of him from. There's barely even photos of him during his, wow. you know, days in like '87. Yeah. Never mind photos of him since. But um, regardless, I hope he's well. After his I, I hope I hope he's well. Fighting the jungle. And I hope he is enjoying his limb. Yes. So that brings us on to man of the dick and day of the pig. Yes. Where do you want to start? Man of the match is difficult, isn't it? I've got absolutely no idea who man of the match is. As I say, so I wrote down the Tongan winger Kitekailoa for injuring Leo Francis and nobody else. He's the only name I wrote down because I thought, oh, that'd be funny. And I watched the rest of the match and I just did not know who played well. I guess having learned that Brendan Mullin scored three tries, I probably have to give it to him, even though he kicked like a prick. Brendan Mullin's my man of the match, I suppose. Okay, Brendan Mullin. Cool. And I mean, like, look, I'm going through the team sheets. I'm looking over them again. I'm trying to make a note of who played well. Brendan Mullen was all right, but he did a dickish drop goal and he didn't do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Tony Ward was shite. Neil also scored two tries, but I don't rate his contribution. <laughs> no, the Tongan who stood out most in this game was Eti Aki, who actually makes two breaks and you know makes has a couple of good touches, mm. but also just just dropped the ball under no pressure. As well, it is a know. good point, actually. Um, um, Liava played well, made a lot of breaks. So yeah. I could give it to oh, I've already I've, I've committed. Okay. We also we haven't mentioned the loose head making his debut for Ireland, who is I'm assuming he's Job Langbrook. No, but, his name's Job. Um, I think he's Job I think he's Job Langbrook. His name's Job Langbrook. Uh, who now works as an analyst for Davy Stockbrokers, which is his his Job. So and also Philip Rainey on the bench, which I just think's a fun name. Philip Rainey. Philip Rainey. Sounds like a character um, in a children's book. Yep, so the other notable thing about this game, right? Two interesting things. One, this game was played at the same time as the next game we'll be covering, which is Australia against Japan. Yes. And so we have updates coming along the bottom of the score. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we should and... uh, we should have it that one day you should listen to this podcast at the same time as that episode that's that coming next, next week. We, we, should, we should have that as a feature that you can do. Or not. Or not. You can just get two devices. Just get two devices and do it that way. And the other interesting thing, of course, is that for the first time that Ireland ever qualified for a quarterfinal, 
meaning that in this game they achieved their best ever Rugby World Cup result. <laughs> the joint best, of course. Of course, of course. Yes. So Ireland go to the quarterfinals, and look, we're not going to tell you how that goes yet, but figure it out for yourself. Yep. That one's for you, Do you pick a dick of the day? Oh, dick of the day. Neil Francis, isn't it? <laughs> Neil Francis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. So I haven't picked Oh, either. shit. My, um, so the, the other dick of the day moment that I, oh, I, yeah, I spoke yeah. about. Oh, yeah, yes. Um, you know the one, don't you? So Ireland do a kickoff, and it bounces off Mohi, the Tongan 12. Yeah. Uh, it bounces off his leg into the Tongan in goal area, at which point mm-hmm. Etiaki oh, yeah, yeah. picks the ball up, and you look at him and think, you have one job here, pal. You have one job. And he pauses for a moment and he thinks, okay, it's been carried back. I can't put this down. He goes and puts it down and I literally put my hands on my head and shouted, no! You had one job to just not put that down. And he clearly just hoped the referee wouldn't notice. And the referee then just looked at him just like, no, you fucking idiot. It's their scrum. And that was where Mullin scored. Can I bring up something completely different? Yes, Neil Francis still took the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's mine as well. I'm just giving Neil Francis take of the day. Yeah. So the Tongan coach, okay, right, which I haven't mentioned at all. We've mentioned um, him before that he's the Tongan Santa. We briefly touched on him on a previous episode, but Viliami Tupaiea Malafea Tokahau. That's a good name. Excellent name. Excellent name. And interesting because I think he might be the only names. example of this in that he was a mem- he was not only the coach of the Tongan national team. He was a member of the Tongan royal family. What? So the, so, the Tongan president's 15 have some good good people to choose from, clearly. Yep. He was a politician cabinet member, a member of the royal family. Wow. Who, in 1983, denounced his royal, or renounced his royal title in order to marry uh, a commoner, right. as they were called, called Mele Falatau. Now, I've got no idea if there are any relation to Talupe. It's, it's quite and hard to see. Yeah. But, right, he did go on to study at Cardiff University. There's a very clear link there. So, I don't know. I don't know. He died in 2014. Right. Um, to be continued. Yeah. So, but it's an interesting note. It's yeah, interesting yeah, note. yeah. I love that they were coached by and I don't know the if family. That's great. Yeah. Any other princes who ended up... Yeah, because he, think... he was a prince. He was the prince of Tonga, and he went on to he decided the prince coach Harry to. should coach England. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, great Eddie idea. Jones out. Get somebody who really knows what it means to be English in. Yeah, we should sing "Land of Hope and Glory" before every kickoff. <laughs> the crowd would be bumping and chanting and wonderfully, wonderfully terrific. My man of the match is Timothy the dog. Is that is that is that is that so? <laughs> Timothy the dog. Fair enough. Fair enough. Or it's like Richard Cram. <laughs> it's definitely not someone who played in this game. Okay, fair enough. Fair I enough. want someone who's dis this game as possible. Maybe also, my man of the match is The Exorcist. So, two of Ireland's games, we have just neglected to give a man of the match and just given it to a dog instead. Look, what, what do you want me to do? Give it to the dog. Yeah. Do what you want to do, pal brings him level on play of the tournament with Fabio the dog and Mike Harrison the England winger so Mike Harrison is going to be doing some dog walking this afternoon <laughs> yep for the top three of the tournament oh I'd love to see it there's 
It means that humans are currently outnumbered at the top of the podium. Yep. Great. I love how we just recycled the same joke for Man of the Match. And I'm here for it. That brings us to an end on this podcast, which means there's only one pool game left to go. We're yeah. almost through this. We're getting there. Please join us next week when the game will be Australia 42, Japan 23. That might actually be fun. That sounds like a banger to me. Yeah. Last pool game, then we're into the quarterfinals. Yeah. We're almost there. We're getting on. We're getting through this. This is good. And we should have in the knockout phases some decent guests that you will see later on. So that's exciting as well. And like the you know the knockouts are shaping up pretty well. Base you know eighty seven. So in a Wales and Ireland qualify from this pool that we're talking about here. Actually, no, they're all set. All the pools are set. We now know okay. who are getting out of the pools. But Australia in the next game, we'll know if they finish first or second. Okay. Whether they beat yeah. Japan, which they do, they win forty two twelve. So this means that we now know that Ireland will face Australia okay. or England in the knockouts, and the other one will play Wales. That adds up. The math, the math, yeah. the math comes together. So yes. Anyway, this has been an experience, and yeah. the the one question that I will leave the listener with: Why would you get website on a t shirt? <laughs> I was I was going to leave you with one word, and I think you know what it was going to be. It's going to be website or machete or machete. Anyway, thank you for listening. Website. Yeah, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Few and goodbye. Bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.